Today is now going to be week two of our series entitled Showers to Flowers. Here we are today being May 1st, and uh, you know what they say, April showers bring May flowers. And last night was the last day of April, and it stormed a crazy in Indiana last night. The rain pelting down on Kokomo, lightning, thunder, it was awesome. I love a good storm, actually. Um, There have been times in my marriage where I'm that Midwest dad standing out front watching uh, what could become tornadoes happening in awe and wonder and excitement, and my wife saying, Devin, you lunatic, get in the house. You know, come on, like, do you, are you really a Midwest dad if you haven't done some of that? Uh, so we, we definitely had uh, some showers last night, didn't we? And uh, this morning, as I uh, was coming to church, I was like, I mean, you could see kind of like the evidence of the storm, but there was such a peace uh, this morning, and I was just reminded of this, this series that we're in, the showers to flowers, that these times of, of showers and stormy weather, you know, it leads to something beautiful, and April showers bring May flowers, and so last week we were really talking about the idea of mental health and that there is a dark cloud that sometimes people feel like there is this this dark cloud that is following them in their life, that they just can't escape the dark cloud. Everywhere they go, everywhere they turn, and, and, and sometimes the dark cloud even tell, that it gives them this, this sense that even though I have so much to be happy for, I just can't stop feeling sad. I can't help but feel down and feel despair. And so, uh, so real quick, because I felt like it was important enough, we're going to review a little bit from, from last week. And, and one thing we said was that in 2020, there was an estimated 52.9 million adults aged 18 or older in the United States with mental illness. This number represented 21% of all U.S. adults, which means one out of five. And when I say mental illness, uh, what, uh, what I, I'm not saying is that uh, one out of five people need to be in a straitjacket and in a padded room. That's not what I'm saying. I know that sometimes when people hear mental illness, that's what they think. That's not what I'm talking about. There is a mental illness that it, that it, um, it uh, manifests itself in, in many different ways, from mild to severe. Yes, in a, in a, being in a straitjacket is definitely severe, uh, which uh, we really don't handle people that way anymore, praise God. Um, but there are many levels to, uh, to mental illness. It's really about that you, you become in this mental, emotional funk you just can't seem to escape from. Mental illness is what leads people to uh, being stuck in depressive states, dealing with depression and anxiety. This would be included in mental health and mental health illnesses. Um, and so something else we, we said last week um, was that young adults ages 18 to 25 years had the highest prevalence of AMI, which is any mental illness, which is 30.6%, compared to adults aged 26 to 49, which is... Uh, 25.3%, and aged 50 or older at 14.5%. So really, there are at, at any age, 
uh, mental health can be something that is prevalent in, at any age group. Uh, we talked about some causes of mental health. Uh, there's some, so there, here's three kind of categories of causes. Uh, one is biological. This would be like, it could be hereditary for you. Uh, it could be due to an infection that you had in your body or a brain injury you sustained. Or it could be due to substance abuse. Also, psychological um, a, a cause from, uh, of mental illness, psychological. So uh, this could be any childhood trauma that somebody experienced or emotional or physical abuse or neglect can lead to having mental illness. Another cause is environmental. So the environmental causes would be things that would be stress-induced. Stress-induced or maybe someone that has dealt with something very tragic in their life, maybe a death or a divorce. Uh, environmental could mean that someone just re- has a propensity to have a low self-esteem and it affects their mental health or an anger problem or the, uh, an overwhelming sense of loneliness can affect mental health and, or again, substance abuse as well. No, but no matter the cause, whether it is self-inflicted or really at no fault to the person, you understand that if it, there, are, there are no fault reasons why people can struggle with their mental health. What I really want you to know is that all mental health issues happen because we live in a broken world. That, that's, they all happen because of that. And, uh, and we also said that struggling with your mental health, it does not make you weaker than others or more deserving of hardships. Um, there are a lot of people that probably need to seek help, but, to, but seeking help, sometimes for them, it means admitting that they're weak, and they don't want to sound weak. They want to be tough. They feel like they, they should be able to get through this on their own, and, uh, and I was in that category for a long time, and I find myself in that category time and time again, that... that to admit you need help means that you are weaker than others. It, it doesn't mean that. Or for some people, they think it, they're even more deserving of hardships. Another thing that we said last week that is really worth repeating is that mental health treatment should include a medical approach. Um, if somebody responded to the altar call today and said uh, they have high blood pressure, terrible uh, cholesterol, and are currently experiencing pain in their chest. Far be it from us to say to that person, you don't have enough faith. Hmm. And many times, unfortunately, this has been the response of people that, and, and good intentioned people, do you hear me? Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be harsh, but good-intentioned people, that, this has been the response to those that have struggled with mental illness. I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm anxious all the time, I don't know how to get out of this funk, I feel like there's this dark cloud hanging over my life, and too many times, as believers, we look at these people and say, then you need more faith. You need to memorize more scripture, you need to worship till you get a breakthrough. Actually, those are all really good things, and all things that I would say too. Uh, but for some people, they actually need to go see the doctor. Just like that man with a heart condition, I would not say, you need to increase your faith until the chest pains go away. Because brother probably won't make it home, okay? <laughs> like, call 911, bro, okay? You're not okay. Uh, and, and so it needs to include a medical 
approach many times. And uh, we wouldn't look at someone that has to take insulin for their diabetes and tell them to have more faith. We wouldn't tell someone that takes blood thinners for their blood pressure to have more faith. And we should never, hear me, we should never tell someone that has to take a medication for their mental illness that they need to have more faith. Because it is sometimes a medical condition that can be treated. So as a church, we must approach mental illness the same way God would approach any brokenness, with grace and mercy. But what I want you to know uh, from last week is that God can miraculously heal all physical and mental needs. That's what we believe. I believe it for the man that has a heart condition. I believe God can heal you. But we're calling 911, okay? (laughs) Like, we're going to pray for you. But you're having a heart attack right now, buddy. Uh, We believe that God can do the miraculous. I think that many of us would would agree with that and have seen it in our own lives. And so when I say these things should include a medical approach, don't think that I'm somehow not believing God or having faith. It's, um, so, th- so last week we talked about the dark cloud of mental illness. And today I want to talk about dark days. That some days just feel dark. And some days, some, sometimes it seems like it's just more than just a day. It feels like a season. I remember a season of my life that uh, I was 18, 19 years old, and um, I lived on my own. I, I moved from Bentonville, Arkansas, to a little town called Winchester, Indiana. And uh, I packed everything I owned into a 1991 Grand Prix. Drove the 700 miles to Winchester um, to basically serve an old youth pastor of mine that was leading a church there, and he's still there to this day. And uh, I went to just serve. I was going to give a a year of my life to serve him and the church and pray about going to Bible college because I I felt called to ministry. So uh, I said, I want nothing from you. I don't need anything from you. I found a job, I found an apartment, I'm going to make my own way, I'm going to work my own job, I just want to come and serve. So I did that, and for, but for this year, uh, I worked a third shift job stocking frozen food in a grocery store overnight, and uh, lived in an apartment by myself, and I think that seclusion brought on a loneliness and a dark season of my life. And uh, it was a great season of my life, God did a lot of good things. But I had my moments where, at the time, what I called it was, I called it my desert days. That I felt like the Israelites wandering in the desert, like I didn't know where I was going. Why did I come here? Is this worth it? Um, God, give me a girlfriend. Because <laughs> I've, I've looked around Winchester, I've searched high and low. There's no girls here. <laughs> Did I tell you I was 18, 19 years old? And so just across the border, 20 minutes away in Greenville, Ohio, God found me a bride, Jenny. And uh, but anyway, th- these were, I call these my desert days. And so sometimes dark days feel more than just a day. It feels like a season. It feels like it has a little bit more regularity to it than that. 
The Bible has some stories about people that lived in dark seasons and dark times. Uh, One of them being the book of Job. And uh, we'll talk about Job here in a little bit. But Psalms has a lot of dark days type writings. But at the end of every Psalm, it usually ends on a good note. But God, you're my strong tower. Or, you know, like it ends on like a, but you're still God and everything's going to be okay. With the exception of two Psalms. Psalms 39, it ends with, uh, basically, you've turned your face from me. They, the, the writer is speaking to God. You've turned your face from me, being the last line. And the second being Psalm 88, which is the psalm we're going to be in today. Let's look at Psalm 88. We're going to read the entire chapter of Psalm 88. And so if you've brought your Bibles, you can turn with me to Psalm 88. If you want to grab a Bible from the seat in front of you, you can. It'll be on page 406. Or you can look at the screen because we have it ready for you on the screen as well. But in the Orange Bible, it's page 406. The writer here in Psalm 88 is a man named Heman. You can read a little bit more about Heman in First Chronicles, but um, he is the writer here in Psalm 88. Listen to what he says. He says, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. Listen to what he says. He says, I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. This is a desperate man praying to God. Overwhelmed by the troubles in his life that he is nearing death. He goes on, he says, I counted among those who go down to the pit. He says, I'm sorry, I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more. In other words, he's saying, you have forgotten me who are cut off from your care. So he's saying, God, you have forgotten me. You don't care about me. I'm overcome by troubles, and I'm close to dying. And then he blames God. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. And darkness is going to be mentioned three times in this chapter. He's saying, God, you you did this. You don't care. You're not watching out for me. You put me here He says, your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. Can you hear Heman's desperation and pain in these prayers? He says, my eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? If your love de- if, is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in, descri- in destruction? In other words, I'm dead, I'm in the grave, and it seems as though you've left me here to die. Are your wonders known in the place of, here it is, darkness? Or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? 
but I cry to you for help. In the morning my prayer comes before you, then why? There's that question. Why? Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? He says, from my youth I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood and I have come. I, am com- I have completely, they have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor, and here's the last line, it doesn't end on a good note. He says, and now darkness is my closest friend. And he hangs up. <laughs> darkness is a better friend than you, God. At least darkness is faithful. I've struggled since my youth. So the first thing I would say is that darkness can last a long time. The writer says, I've struggled with this since my youth. This darkness. And what we find is that there are, there are two kinds of darkness. There's external darkness, which is our the circumstances we face. Works hard. Money's coming up short, uh, having a difficulty in a relationship, the car broke down, and it's all on Monday. <laughs> like, these are, this is external darkness. But there's a second kind of darkness that will actually kill you, and it's internal darkness. This is the mental and emotional darkness within two kinds of darkness here but the goal is not to allow external darkness to make siege on your on the internal and what we can learn from heman and what we can learn from scripture is that none of us are exempt from dark days and sometimes Darkness will last a long time. But even in the reality of external darkness, if the internal darkness there's a light on, hmm, that can make all the difference in the world. And so here's what I would say, is that if outwardly you are experiencing darkness, but inwardly you are experiencing the love of God, you're going to make it. You are going to make it. And those dark days may be dark seasons, dark years, as long as, as external darkness that you have to face. And I would tell you, you will likely always have to face some level of external darkness. But if on the inside you are experiencing the love and joy and peace of God, you are going to make it out of that dark valley, my friend. You're going to make it. The goal then is not to allow external darkness to become internal darkness. But that's not what's happening here with Heman in Psalm 88. As we read in his prayer to God, he feels completely abandoned, 
neglected by God, and he is now experiencing outward darkness and inward darkness, isn't he? So what can, what can we learn from Psalm 88 in this, this writer's current state of darkness? Well, we can learn that we can be a follower of Jesus, we can be a Christian, we can believe in God, and we can experience dark days, even for long periods of time. But when I became a Christian, Devin, I thought bad days wouldn't come anymore. I thought bad things wouldn't happen to me anymore, Pastor. You know, I know somebody uh, far better than you. I know somebody far better than me that had some of the darkest days in history. His name is Jesus. He was tortured and killed. And actually in John 16 it says that in this world you will have trouble. You will have trouble. The scripture also says a servant is not above his master. So guess what? Jesus says, the world hated me, they're going to hate you. So I think that there is a great mercy that you can have in simply doing one thing, adjusting your expectations. I think half the pain we face internally, that internal darkness, I think half the pain is unmet expectations. I thought bad things wouldn't come to those who believe. God will turn all things into good, even the bad things. But in this world, you will have trouble. And as soon as you can realign that expectation, that false expectation that everything's going to be hunky-dory, well, then you can really cling to the Lord because you know you'll need him when dark days come. So don't let the external darkness grow to become internal darkness. And there are people walking around today for decades with an internal darkness from an external wound. You don't know what they said to me, Pastor. I'm sure it, I'm sure it was rough and it was hard. But external pain becomes internal pain. External darkness loves to find its way to creep into the crevices of our lives and crevices of our hearts and become deep-rooted internal darkness that weighs on you emotionally and mentally. It becomes a heaviness, a season of dark days. Don't let darkness grow and become internal darkness. Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, the maker of all things seen and unseen. He's the maker of all seen and unseen. And I'm not going to let the external darkness of our world grow in my heart because guess what? He's my help and my strength. So if outwardly you're experiencing darkness, but inwardly you're experiencing the love of God, you're going to make it. Listen, my friend, you're going to make it. But if you let the lights turn off in here, then darkness will overcome you. In this world, you will face trouble. 
you will have difficulties in your marriage. Your children, they look sweet now. But there's a day coming. It's a dark day. But if you have the light and joy of the Lord in you, then the outward darkness won't overcome the internal darkness. So the second thing I would say is that darkness then can teach us the grace of God. Remember the writer's last statement? The last statement of his prayer was, darkness is my closest friend. In other words, he was saying to the Lord, darkness is a better friend than you. And I, you read that and you're like, this, does he know who he's talking to? Like, like, you know, we, we think to maybe like a soldier in the army talking to his commander like this. Everybody else is like, I didn't say it, he said it. And we read this and we're like, this is God of all the universe, buddy. Like, does he know he's talking to God? You talk to God that way, he's going to smack you down. He's going to show you who's in You better watch yourself. That's God. Why is a prayer like this in the Bible? I think a prayer like this in the Bible shows us that God knows what our desperate prayers sound like. And that he's okay with it. Like he's okay with your desperate prayer. Because this is, this is the thing, that God is not, he's not your God because you have it all together. He's your God because he's, he's a God of grace. If he was your God because you have it all together, guess what? <laughs> then we're godless. He's your God because he's the God of grace. And sometimes in, in dark days is when we can learn about the grace of God the most. You can absolutely learn about God's grace in dark times. And I think that as much as we would avoid dark days because they're not fun, I think dark days are a necessity in our walks with God to, to build a strength and character within ourselves. I think it's necessary that if we have April showers we love Mayflowers. There's only one way you get to Mayflowers, and that's you get through April showers. And you know, last night there were storms, like we said. Last night there were showers. But this morning, there was such a great peace today. And you know, you may be here today, and you're experiencing showers or storms in your life. Like you're facing, you're fa facing some dark days. But if you push through, let me tell you, if you push through, there is something just beneath the surface, just beneath the surface of the soil. It is just out of sight. You see, there is a seed that the showers and storms of your life are raining on. You can't see it right now, but it's just below the surface. Every 
thunder and lightning strike you here and every, every raindrop that's falling, every storm you're facing, it is actually feeding and replenishing something in you but it's just out of sight. And if you push through showers and storms in your life, that thing just below the surface, that little tiny seed, you may not know it right now, and you may not feel it right now, but it is germinating. And it's going to produce a little tiny root. It's going to need a little bit more showers. It's going to need a little bit more darkness down in that little, that little pit it was buried in. But, but then eventually, if you pushed through, you'll soon see small sprouts making their debut to the light. And if you don't quit in the showers and storms of your life, then soon you will begin to see the flowers and beauty that those showers and storms actually helped to create. We don't become who we are because everything was hunky-dory. I will tell you right now that the strength that God has given me, if he, if he has given me any at all, is because I didn't quit. I didn't quit. Next week, I can't wait for you to hear a little bit about my mom's story. That she's as wise as she is, as strong as she is, because she faced some stuff. And many of you here today, if we were to have you all line up and come tell your story, we would hear how there are people in the rows of this church, you've been through some stuff, but you didn't quit, and it kept, and it kept showering, and it, and it was still dark, but there was something underneath the surface. And it was getting replenished, and it was getting fed by every shower you faced, every storm you went through, and you didn't quit, and all of a sudden, in the darkness of the soil, that little thing began to sprout. See, the showers had to come. The desert days that I faced, I had to face them to prepare me. The Israelites had to go through the desert days of wandering for 40 years. Did you know that it took them 40 years for something that would have taken 11 days? The journey was an 11-day walk. They got there 40 years later. Because God had to test them to find out if they loved them with all of their heart. He had to develop a character within them so that they could then walk into the promised land of God. And you see, you may be walking through stormy weathers right now, but I would, I would look at you with great hope, with great, with great just like tenacity saying, listen, if you persevere, there's something beneath the surface, friend. There's something right there, and God is trying to develop something in you. If you don't quit, there's something beautiful coming out on the other side. And by it, you can know the grace of God. The third thing is that darkness is a great place to become a great person. Because it will certainly humble you, it's a good teacher. But darkness is a great place to become a great person. We talked about Job earlier uh, in the book of Job. The book of Job is uh, believed to be one of the oldest books in the Bible. Um, and uh, essentially the story of Job is that Job is a righteous man. Uh, jo Job, uh, he, he has favor with God. He's, a, he is a, he's an upright dude. And Satan comes along one day and he says, Yo, God, 
Job only serves you because you bless him. You see, Job has a very transactional relationship with you. You see, he's he lives rightly, you bless him. What is that? Who who wouldn't follow you, God, if they if they weren't ri- as rich as Job is? I mean, look at him. Look, look at it. Look at all the kids he has. Look at all of his possessions. Of course he's gonna follow you. It's cheap. That's essentially what he's saying. His relationship with you is transactional. It is cheap because look at all he has. He is a wealthy man. So does God so does Job serve God? for nothing? Does Job only serve God because he gets blessed? This is what Satan was thinking. For what he gets, is that why he serves God? And so God allows Satan to uh, strip Job of all he has. Strip Job of his family. His family died. His possessions. Um, Job ended up in a bit of uh, a laboratory of Satan's because Satan was running labs on Job as an experiment because he had a hypothesis. And Satan's hypothesis was you only serve God because you're blessed. That's what he thought. You're rich, God's blessed you, that's why you love him, that's why you serve him. So that's my hypothesis. So to test it, we're going to strip Job of everything and watch him curse God. So, Satan, he puts Job through this test thinking that if if people experience external and internal darkness, they'll turn their back on God every time. And most of the book of Job is about Job praying desperate prayers, kind of like the one we read in Psalm 88. Sometimes Job is even blaming God for his troubles. Just like Heman, blaming God for his troubles. So Satan's lab test with Job actually uh, was a complete failure. Praise God, right? You see, the devil was certain that Job would walk away from the Lord if he had a little external and internal darkness. And if you read Job's prayers, you would, th- you would actually think that the devil wasn't far off. You'd think he's pretty right. You read the things that Job was saying. But he was wrong. And here's why. Even though Job, Heman, the writer of Psalm 88, even though they're disappointed, even though they're upset, even though they're desperate, and even though they're mad, they're mad at God. Here, here's the thing. Even in their desperation, even in their anger, who are they praying to? They're, they're praying their anger and frustration to God. And if you, as long, as long as you are still praying the devil is still losing. Even if that prayer is a desperate prayer of, Lord, have you forgotten me? Have you left me here? And as long as you're still praying to God, the devil is still 
losing. And that is the point of these prayers. And God's okay with your desperate prayer. He's like, look at this guy. He's praying to me. He's suffering now, but he just doesn't know that there's something beneath the surface that is getting fed, is getting replenished. He doesn't know it right now, but that thing's actually germinating, it's sprouting, because it's in that little dark cocoon of the soil. And it takes the darkness and the storm to produce something that's going to grow into something that will bring life to him and multiply life in, in him. As long as you're still praying, the devil is still losing. As long as you keep praying, even in the darkest of days, the devil is still losing. Because here's what I want you to know, that when you pray to God, when you don't feel God, it builds a strength and greatness within you. This is why I say that darkness is a great place to become a great person. When you pray, when you keep showing up, you keep worshiping, you keep praying, you become a person of strength, a person of endurance, a person of character, and things begin to sprout in your life. And the seed makes its debut into the light from the darkness of the soil because of the storm and the darkness. Remember, it takes great pressure to turn a lump of coal into a diamond. Something like coal that has such little value, but a diamond that is extremely valuable. The fourth thing I would tell you, last thing, the worst thing you guys can come and get ready to help me, is that darkness is ultimately temporary. This is really important to remember when you're in dark days. Even if dark days are long days, the darkness is temporary. As long as you can have the love of God, the internal, on the external, dark days may be long days. It's always temporary. Even if you face dark days till your last day, this will learn that its days are over when we stand before God someday in his presence, the darkness will always lose. Because ultimately, when you're in dark days, what you need to remember is darkness has no power. Like, it, it does not have power. We've never been able to create a device and say, watch this, I'm going to cast darkness into the light. But we have created devices where we say, watch this, I'm going to cast light into the darkness. And we turn on the flashlight, the laser pointer, whatever it is. You see, in the presence of light, darkness has no choice but to run and to flee because it has no power. It has no power. But darkness is the result of the absence of light. So this is why I want to tell you, do not quit. Don't let the light burn out. Keep burning hot for Jesus. Keep feeding fueling your spirit even when you don't feel it even when you don't want it because if the light goes out the darkness exists but in the presence of darkness exterior darkness listen it's gonna come baby it's gonna come it's gonna happen but if the light within us burns bright and strong it has no power over you darkness is ultimately temporary the writer of psalm 88 believed his darkness was absolute he blamed God. 
he believed his darkness was permanent. He said things like, God, you're not there. But we know that even his darkness was temporary. His prayer was darkness. Darkness is my closest friend. His prayer was, God, you have turned your face from me, and now darkness is my closest friend, a better friend than you. But watch this. In Matthew 27, it's not on the screen, but Matthew 27, verse 45, it says, it's speaking of, of Jesus, the moment that he was hanging on the cross. It says, from noon until three in the afternoon, watch what happened in the area of Jerusalem. Darkness, darkness came over the land. Our Savior is hanging on the cross and darkness comes over the land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus then cries out in a loud voice. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says, Eli, Eli, Ella Shabbatani, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your face from me? So here we, have, we see that even then, he finds himself in the dark tomb. That for Jesus, God has turned his face. And darkness was his closest friend. This is our Savior. See, the writer of Psalm 88 is like a lot of us. He thought that he was getting the total darkness. He thought he was getting the total abandonment by God. But you see, here's the thing. That when Jesus went to the cross, he took upon himself the total darkness. And he experienced abandonment from all his friends, all the disciples. They all ran scared. And he was left there in total darkness that even the Father in heaven would turn his face from him. Darkness really was Jesus' closest friend. But this is what I want you to know. This is where hope lies, is that Jesus experienced darkness as his only friend so that in your darkness you can know that Jesus is your friend. You're not experiencing absolute darkness. Your Savior did. And he did it so that in your darkest day, you would never have to say, darkness is my closest friend because you have someone that went through the darkness and he came out in a glorious light so that in your darkness you can know you are not alone. He was, Jesus was truly abandoned left so that you can only, will only have to feel abandoned. He truly was abandoned so that you would only have to feel abandoned. Here's the thing about when you feel something. You can feel something until you realize it's not true. You can feel alone until you 
until somebody walks in the room. You can feel left out until you're included. You can feel mad until you have joy. And you can feel darkness. And you can feel abandoned. And when the lights come on, you'll find that he was there all uh, along. Someone just had to turn the lights on for you. And if you're in dark days today, I want to tell you that the light of hope, the light of hope is his son Jesus. He is the light of the world, and darkness has no power. I promise you that darkness is always temporary, even if it lasts until your last day. It loses. And I want you to know that as long as you're praying, the devil's losing. So the fact that you're here today, I applaud you. Because you're not giving up, and you're not going to quit. I want you to know that there is something just beneath the surface. And the storms and the showers you're experiencing now, I'll promise you, it's helping. And that thing is coming to life. So feel that hope and purpose in you. Let's all stand together. We're going to sing one last song together. I want you to feel the hope and love of God in you today. And right now, as we begin to worship, I want you just to come to the Lord with every external darkness that you have. And maybe you will feel so inclined that you want to move out from your seats this morning and find a place down front. And you want to just throw up your hands to heaven. In the midst of external darkness, God, would you turn the lights on? Would you light up the light on the inside of each and every single one of us this morning? God, we bring to you all of our darkness knowing that it is not the absolute darkness. You experienced absolute darkness and you came through in glorious light to give us life. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, New Life Church, thank you so much for joining us today. If this is your first time joining us and you'd like to learn a little bit more about New Life Church, you can text the word CONNECT to the number 765-347-9127. Again, thank you so much for joining us and we hope to see you guys next time.